0: we at the Deep Dive Podcast support Black Lives Matter. If you want more information on how you can help this incredibly important movement, please go to blacklivesmatter.com.
1: Thank you. Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Don't forget to visit our refreshment center during the intermission or any time. You love the tasty array of snacks we have to offer. So will the youngsters. Everything is quality and Mm -hmm. so good. We hope you'll make this a weekly visit. Bring the family. Bring your friends. There are always wonderful new pictures to see, delightful snacks to nibble. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Don't drive over ten miles an hour in the theater area for your safety's sake. And mom or pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Come back soon.
0: Hello, divers. Coming to you from a sensory deprivation tank in the basement of an old army surplus store, this is the Deep Dive Microcast. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, anxiety medication tester, and writer for Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive podcast where myself and my co-host, Manda, look at the lesser known and perhaps forgotten offerings available on streaming media. On this microcast, we'll dive into the history of the drive-in movie. How did they begin? Why did they decline in popularity, and why are they making a comeback? Pull your car into the slot, hang the speaker on your window, and get ready for this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast. 2020 has been a rough year for the motion picture industry to say the least. The COVID-19 pandemic has halted production of movies both planned and in progress. This year's expected blockbusters have been delayed for up to a full year. And some like the Tom Hanks World War II film Greyhound have been released on streaming services instead of theaters. Speaking of theaters, they've been hit pretty hard by the pandemic. In March of 2020, most theater chains, including AMC, Regal, Cinemark, and Showcase, closed their doors to moviegoers. As of this recording in July, theaters are planning on reopening in many areas, with new safety and social distancing protocols in place. There is one kind of movie theater, once thought to be a relic of the past, that is making a comeback during these strange times. The drive-in
1: welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way show after show will feature the latest hits the biggest stars for fun-filled pleasure-packed evenings relax come as you are and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family no parking problems no babysitting problems And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back. Odds are, if you were
0: born after 1990, you may have never known the pleasures of sitting in, or on, a car to watch a movie outdoors on a huge screen. That may change, however. The old-fashioned drive-in theater is having something of a resurgence. For families, it's a great way to get out of the house while still being safely tucked away in your car. And it's not just about the movies, either. All over the US, drive-ins are being used for weddings, graduations, concerts, and other events. The idea is even gaining a lot of traction in places where there are no actual drive-ins. Pop-up drive-ins are appearing in many areas. In fact, Walmart recently announced that it's opening temporary, contact-free drive-in movie theaters. In 160 of its parking lots around the country. The fortunes of the drive in have been a roller coaster ride of ups and downs ever since the first automobile drove in to see a movie over 87 years ago. In 1933, a patent was granted to New Jersey resident Richard Hollingshead. According to legend, Mr. Hollingshead's mother was a rather robust woman and could not fit into the usual seat at a movie theater. So, he set up a screen between two trees in his yard and projected movies while his mother sat in the car to watch. Now, the Greek philosopher Plato said that necessity is the mother of invention, but in this case, the mother's necessity helped inspire the invention itself. The patent Mr. Hollings had filed detailed the layout for an outdoor theater that could accommodate rows of parked automobiles arranged in such a way as to allow the occupants of those vehicles an unobstructed view of a fixed screen in other words, a drive-in theater. A month after the patent was granted, Hollingshead opened the very first drive-in theater in Camden, New Jersey. It could accommodate 400 cars and had a huge 50-foot screen. Sadly, history rarely rewards the first individual to bring a new idea to life, and this case was no different. Hollingshead's new idea failed, and his drive-in closed after three years, mostly due to technical issues and being dependent on decent weather to operate. But you can't keep a great idea down, and others would pick up the baton and run with it. By the end of the 1930s, over a dozen new drive-ins popped up around the country.
1: I'm sorry, sir. This is a private mountain. But I only wanted it. This mountain is reserved for patrons of drive-in theaters. But, but, but but It's a supply depot for all sorts of good things, which people can get at the snack bar. Like soft drinks, hot dogs, good hot coffee, candy bars of all kinds, delicious popcorn, and refreshing ice cream treats. Well, I am a patron of this drive-in. Well, why didn't you say so? Be our guest.
0: It wouldn't be until after the end of World War II that the drive-in would really start to grow in popularity. More people were able to afford automobiles, and many soldiers returning home from the war were starting families of their own and moving into newly built communities in the suburbs. The drive-in theater promised many advantages for families over the indoor movie palace. I mean, who needs a babysitter when young kids could sleep in their pajamas in the back seat? Theater owners also use the opportunity to tout a seemingly endless array of goodies waiting for motorists at the snack bar, including items you'd never find at those snooty indoor theaters. Hi,
1: I'm Chili Dilly, the personality pickle. Packed in a jar for the freshest flavor, served cold in a sack for you to savor. So dainty to eat, no muss, no fuss. An ideal snack for all of us. Crisp, tender, and tasty with a bit of spice. Buy one now. Taste, how nice. Snack bar clerks will knock themselves silly, speeding your order for a real chilly dilly. Visit our snack bar and treat yourself to some delicious Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches. Cook the Castleberry way slowly over open pits of glowing charcoal, then seasoned with a sauce that's zesty yet delightfully mild to please the entire family. Also at the snack bar you'll find popcorn and soft drinks and candy and french fries to go with your Castleberry's barbecue sandwiches plenty of time before the movie starts, so visit our snack bar right now for Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches.
0: The family-friendly image of the drive-in took a hit later in the 1950s when teenagers began taking advantage of the added privacy to engage in, well, other activities. Some began labeling drive-ins as places of rampant immorality, calling them passion pits. Theater owners didn't seem to mind. They did mind when teens would hide in the trunks of cars to avoid paying to get in. Mostly though, The Drive-In was a more informal alternative to a traditional movie theater. It was a place where people could go at night, hang out with friends, eat junk food, and enjoy a movie. The Drive-In has always been a home for those films that weren't exactly grade A. Movies with big stars, big budgets, Big promotions rarely made it to the local drive-in. During the peak of the drive-in, most B-movies, and worse, would be projected on the outdoor screens. The quality of the movie took a backseat, no pun intended, to the overall experience. Beginning in the 1960s, America began a rapid and radical shift in culture. Political assassinations, the civil rights movement, and the Vietnam War turned the optimism of the 1950s inside out. The movies being booked into drive-ins changed as well. The new era of permissiveness led to more R-rated and exploitation movies coming to the drive-ins.
1: The fear that makes brave men run will freeze you in your seat, make your blood run cold, and finally make you scream in terror. Warning, drive-in massacre has been deemed too terrifying for the average viewer. The risk is entirely yours.
0: Things were changing quickly, and the drive-in began to suffer for it. The advent of color television kept people in their homes more frequently to watch movies. The 1970s brought more challenges to the drive-in. The energy crisis kept people from driving because of gasoline shortages. Another casualty of the energy crisis was the adoption of daylight savings time. That forced drive-ins to start their nightly programs an hour later, costing them valuable nighttime showings. All of these factors contributed to the closure of hundreds of locations and the decline of the drive-in's popularity overall large parcels of valuable land that were once used for drive-ins became shopping malls and housing developments. There were attempts to revive the concept using new technology and adding other amenities to try to bring the people back to existing drive-ins. There were indoor drive-in theaters where patrons would sit inside classic cars retrofitted with tables. Then there's the dive-in theater, where a screen is set up next to a pool, so swimmers can watch a movie, like like Jaws, for example, while doing the backstroke. At their peak, 4,000 drive-ins dotted the American landscape. Sadly, by the end of the 20th century, only a few hundred remained, fueled mostly by nostalgia for a time gone by. But with many indoor theaters still being closed or even reclosed after spikes in coronavirus cases. The drive-in has become a sought-after place to see a movie, while staying safe. Oddly enough, this is not the first time that drive-ins were promoted as a way to prevent the spread of a dangerous virus.
1: If we all pitch in, we're bound to win. With a high, high ho, high ho, high ho, high ho. We'll lick the Polio with dimes and quarters and our dollars. Ho, high ho. Send your dimes and dollars to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Help make this the Victory March of Dimes. High ho, high ho. We'll lick the Polio with dimes and quarters and our dollars. Ho, high ho. Ada boy Pluto. Join 1954 March of Times today, folks.
0: In the early 1950s, the infectious disease polio, capable of causing severe paralysis, was raging through the United States. Before a working vaccine was created by a team of physicians led by Dr. Jonas Salk, many Americans feared for their safety, and especially the safety of their children. Drive-ins promoted themselves then, as now... As places where families could still go for a night out, but also be safe. Does the drive in theater have a brighter future now, or will it again be relegated to being a curious relic of the past, kept alive only by nostalgia? Will people return to indoor theaters when they reopen? Time will tell. Hopefully, the recent reinterest in the drive in will keep these shrines to communal movie going open a while longer. If you've never experienced it for yourself, give your local drive-in a try. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Next time on the Deep Dive Podcast, Manda and I deep dive into our favorite movies adapted from books. Is the book always better? Join us and find out. We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com, or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.